Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Dan Brissett with the Environmental and Energy Study Institute. Welcome to our podcast, The Climate Conversation. Um, with me as always is my intrepid co-host, Sydney O'Shaughnessy, who is on our communications team here at ESI. Hey Sid, how you doing? Hey Dan, doing well. Hi everyone. Today we have a very exciting show because um, I don't know if you know this, but we have been pumping out a lot of waste content at ESI, waste-related content. And so today on our podcast, we are going to be talking specifically about food waste. We have to be a little careful how we talk about this because we can't let people have the impression that we're pumping out garbage at ESI, that our content is rubbish, none of that. But a lot of what we've been covering lately is around waste issues, waste management, recycling, uh, and the climate impacts of the stuff that we throw away. But just so that everyone knows, we're not producing garbage. No, not at all. And today our, our guest is actually um, a recycling and compost educator for Cornell Cooperative Extension of Broome County up in New York State. His name is Josh Enderly, and he's been working as a recycling and compost educator for four years, um, working on the ground, um, with community members and local schools and colleges just to increase the knowledge about waste to help educate the community about how to reduce waste and be conscious of your food waste. So hi Josh, welcome to the show. We're so happy you're here and we are very excited to hear about the work you're doing solving food waste on a local scale. Um, but right, you know, let's just get started here. Can you briefly describe your work in food waste and recycling and why you were drawn to the field? Uh, yeah, so thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. I'm the, I'm Josh. I'm the recycling and composting educator at the Cornell Cooperative Extension of Broome County. So through that job, I go to schools, uh, visit and talk about composting and recycling and waste reduction uh, through all grades, K through 12 also do some visits at a college level and host uh, workshops about composting, like backyard composting for the general public for the whole county there. Um, I'm also working on developing some other programs too, like the community composting program, uh, We Compost. Uh, it's gonna be a collective, like working with other organizational partners that we can have composting locations to do community composting ideally throughout the Binghamton area and uh, most likely like throughout the county as well um, to try to service the food waste needs there for, for our communities. And then also trying to do a master composting program so we can train people in to know how to compost and then help educate other people too and support other, other programs like the We Compost program. And, and why did you decide to get into this field? What, what drew you to it? Yeah, so um, it's just very tangible uh, waste, something that we deal with on a daily basis. And it's something that everyone has to deal with too. And in face of like all of these environmental crises, you know, like all these large scale stuff, like, oh, like carbon emissions, oh, this is happening. Um, just bringing it down to earth on a personal level uh, was really interesting to me. And especially before I, I knew like recycling and landfill basically from growing up, but then going to Ithaca College where I was like exposed to like composting on a large scale. It's like, oh, people like actually care and you can tell that they care because they do this, this and this and like it's very physical, very tangible. Um, and especially for composting too, I still kind of think of it as like magic where we're transforming food like banana peels, apple cores, 
transforming it back into soil, which just blows my mind still, even though I'm still learning all the science and stuff behind how it happens. It's just, I don't know, kind of incredible how that whole happens. But um, yeah, it's mostly because like the, how, how tangible dealing with waste and recycling and composting it really is. Yeah, great. And a lot of the programs that you describe that you run, you know, K-12 programs, college programs, community programs, they're, they're all on this local scale. So, so why is it important to solve this food waste issue at a local scale? Um, I, I think it's, it's important because it, there's a lot of opportunities to making other connections and it really helps like strengthens communities in general, like beyond just food waste too. Um, so in my spare time, I volunteer for an organization called Binghamton Food Rescue, and they go to the farmer's market or the farmer's market in the Broome County, and then also one in Vestal, not too far away, ask the vendors at the end of the market if they have extra food that they're willing to donate and that won't, that won't last until the next week's market. And we're able to collect those and then give them away for free, the people that are in need in the community. So it's super helpful to to increase access to local produce for people that are unable to either get to a, a grocery store that has that offers produce or unable to afford it on a regular basis. So that's one like small scale solution like that is keeping all that food out of the landfill or out of being from composted um, at the farm and is putting it into people's hands that can actually use it and consume it. And so we're using those resources pretty efficiently. And so that's, that's one program. I and mean, you can do this on different scales as well. Bing Binghamton Food Rescue just is a small group entity in itself. There's another organization that does food waste related things, um, the Friendship Donation Network in Ithaca. And they're like nonprofit set up and they have a lot of different nodes and a lot larger volunteer and larger reach. Um, so really it's, there's scalable solutions and all these organizations can work, you know, cohesively to really fill in the gaps wherever it's needed. Like for example, food rescue, we could, you know, have a volunteer drive to someone's house and drop off a bag full of groceries. Whereas, you know, a food bank wouldn't necessarily be able to do that regularly. Um, so being local in that sense and working directly with community members helps be adaptive and to really know the, the needs there. Um, and also, you can kind of create like a, a, a culture around it too, around around food waste. And just talking to people in, in person is much more helpful than just making like Facebook posts, or at least I feel that way anyways, <laughs> increasingly more. It's just more gratifying to like talk with someone who's like, oh yeah, uh, you can use this vegetable in this way, like specifically with broccoli, you know, like, oh, I used to only eat the florets, you know, the, the parts that we think is broccoli. But I found out that you can, if you chop up the stems and like, thinner slices, you can also saute that too. So you're using more of the plant than I, I knew beforehand. So um, things like that and having those kind of conversations can only really happen on, on a local level, I think. Yeah, and I, I, I love hearing about these local solutions because I really feel like it's bringing people and the community and connecting them back with the food system that we often feel separated from. And so I really like hearing these solutions that you are providing to your community, you know, educating them on vegetables and how to use them and in the whole cycle of food. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. We have another organization too that does a lot of community gardening too. So that's a way for people to really get their hands in the soil and to grow something themselves. 
uh, that they can sign up um, and sliding scale for, for those on all income levels to be able to participate too. And so just really to be hands-on as, as much as, as possible with that is, is super, super encouraging. Cause I think we just need to be in the dirt. There's something like cleansing and like energizing about smelling fresh soil um, that you just can't get anywhere else really. And just really eating healthy food, you know, then like the people are healthier and, and all that. And so it's really beneficial and it's just something that everyone needs. So it's like, a, it's a common denominator, you know, like waste and food and, and all that jazz. So that's why I kind of gra gravitate towards those issues. Josh, it's great for you to join us today. Uh, it's great hearing about your work. Thanks so much. You know, when you're out and about and you're talking to members in the members of your community, you've already sort of been taken over by the magic of composting, like you put it. How are you communicating the benefits of composting, at-home composting to members of the communities? Are you finding that you're having to overcome sort of a particular set of hesitations about what does it mean to do home composting or at-home composting? It requires too much equipment or I need, you know, special skills or, you know, a particularly friendly type of worm or whatever else, whatever else it happens to be. What are the main hesitations you come across? Yeah, so one of the main hesitations is probably like the smell and the time and the, oh, I don't know how to do that. Um, so in, in response to that, I try to keep it as simple as possible. And then also keeping like on a personal basis, it's like, well, we think that garbage is super smelly. Well, what's in the garbage that is actually causing the smell? It's usually the food that we're throwing in there and that we're just leaving for the entire week. So by taking, removing that, what else do people throw away? It's going to be wrappers, maybe odds and ends of paper, things that don't generate a smell on their own. So once we take that out, uh, we don't have the smell and we also don't have flies in our garbage anymore because I had an issue with that in the past. Um, so now being able to put it into a composting pail that we're, we're taking somewhere else, um, one, you can know how much food that you're wasting because in general, um, on, on average, an American household of like four wastes $1,800 worth annually of food, which is, it's money that you, people could, you know, spend elsewhere. I'm sure they'd want to. And so by bringing it out, you're reducing the smell, but you're also seeing how much you're, you're wasting and, and what you're not using. Um, and so that you can change your buying habits and save yourself some money and just, just maximize the food that you purchase. So there's a benefit for that. So I'm really trying for the, the personal benefits rather than necessarily coming out, oh, it's good for the climate. Of course we have to do this, you know, because that's not terribly inspiring. And then also sharing my experiences of what I've, I've, I've gone through is like, okay, I've, I've seen these benefits. This is super helpful. And then I manage my own pile and all I really have to do weekly, it takes two or three minutes. You know, once you have a pile built, you can just dump the food waste into the pile, cover it with leaves, and then you're done. And then the next question, obviously, is like, okay, well, what about the composting bin? You know, how do I make that? I'm not a super handy individual. I don't have all these tools or whatever. And that's totally fine. The only thing you really need for composting, it could be a, a, just a pile somewhere if you really need to, or it could be a, a bin. As long as you have it three cubic feet, you're, you're good to go. As long as you have that area of space, you can build it out of cinder blocks. You could weave sticks together if you really want to. You can get pallets for free from some 
some company, if you have one around there, like a grocery store or something that's willing to donate them, um, as long as you get it to that, those dimensions and start piling it up, you'll be, you'll be good to go. And like, okay, well, you have to add something other than food because we're not just going to pile food waste out and, and alone because just food by itself is going to smell. It's going to be horrible. So you have to have browns in there. And luckily, you can get some people to do the work for you. If you wait until the fall, people usually rake up their leaves, put it in a, in a brown yard waste bag and put it to the curb. That's perfect because then you can just go along and collect those bags. People rake the leaves for you and then you just take them back to use in your, in your compost bin. So it's, it can be done very inexpensively with minimal work as well. It's just being able to be, be shown and like told like, oh, this is a possibility. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a master carpenter to, to put something together. It's just um, whatever you're able to do, um, it'll, it'll work fine. It'll all break down in the end anyways, even if you don't have, you know, the specific ratios correct, or you can dive really deep into the science if you want to. But really, if you just put it in a pile, it'll break down at some point and it'll be fine. Yeah, I definitely appreciated that you are working to connect it even to the economics. It's like, look at the food waste and then, you know, you could actually be saving money by not purchasing this food that you ultimately are throwing away in the, in the, in the end. Um, but are there any other barriers that you face with community education or are pe people like in your experience, are community, are community members like receptive to these ideas? Yeah, I, I want to say people are receptive. But another barrier is, is really a physical infrastructure barrier where maybe people don't live in a house with a backyard or if they do, their landlords don't approve of it or if they just don't have a yard in general. Maybe they have, are unable to, to turn and maintain a pile themselves on physical limitations. And to that, then we'd have to like push for more uh, community-wide composting, like a, a curbside pickup program that can be done only with like a, a large-scale facility there. Um, so there are, there are hesitancies in that, and I'm, I'm not going to tell them, get over it <laughs> or anything like that. It's like, no, those are, those are valid concerns. If you're not able to compost, that's, that's totally fine. And then in, in, in place of that, you have to push for these other, other things that we can increase access for people. And one of the things that I'm able to do now to, to help increase access um, is to make a community composting program called uh, We Compost. I mean, we're still working on the, the name, but I think that's what we're going to go with. And so that will have community composting bins, like a three base system that's all enclosed, that has a lid, that has sliding fronts and everything and locks for it. So members like residents nearby can join. They'll go through an orientation training, learn what to compost and then have access to the bins after that. And what it really does it, it we already have the bins in place. We have the Browns there. All the individual has to do is come by and drop off their food waste which is what most people just, they just want an outlet for it. I mean, if they, they want to make the, the, the right decision, I believe most people do. It's just, what are the, the if we're reducing those barriers really. So if there is a location for them to drop off, I think more people are, are likely to do that. And especially if it's in a convenient location. Um, and so far we have one location at our office. It happens to be next to a farmer's market, which is great because then we can combine, you know, people that are shopping there regularly on a weekly basis. Um, it's already in their schedule. Then they can just bring a, a bucket with food waste along with them, you know, so it's not an extra trip. 
but in the future, maybe it'll be within community gardens. So it's within residential neighborhoods that are that's walkable that people can, can walk to and, and drop off their stuff rather than having to drive or have, you know, needing necessitating a vehicle to be a barrier. So um, and that's going back to the local thing where you can work on different levels too, where that's like a small community scale level with different organizations rather than a large scale situation. Well, that program sounds awesome. I wish I lived in New York to sign up for it. Um, but I guess now we're just going to shift gears a little bit and, and talk less about like what's happening in your community on the ground and, and more about like what strategies that you're finding work the best to increase awareness on waste issues in general. And then, you know, ultimately to spur more climate friendly decisions. Yeah, um, really, I, I do host uh, workshops and stuff to really inform people, but those are, are folks that are kind of like interested already and they have to sign up and be like, oh, composting, I'm going to take time out of my day to do that. So I'm always trying to find other ways to like just make a, a program like as a service that it's just easier as an easier alternative. And really, I guess what, a, what another one is, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily like awareness per se, like just saying, hey, this is about waste, you know, learn about waste rather than a service. Um, what's coming to mind is another program that I'm helping uh, create and run this year is the move out, uh, the Binghamton student move out. In this case, it's very specific just to students living off campus. So collecting the waste that they leave behind because it doesn't fit in their car or they're, they're just not, they just don't wanna take it with them, but it's still usable. So getting volunteers to go through and, and pick them, those things up. Um, so we're not, you know, necessarily giving them information about about ways but it's like an opportunity for them to engage um so it's like having having different levels levels along those lines and then i guess more for on the education side is is trying to make things more personal like how does the individual benefit for um, reducing waste and, and all that um so yeah just kind of along those lines i suppose so yeah, just trying, just trying to make programs that people can can participate in to to raise awareness in, in that sense, rather than just hosting classes all the time. And I mean, those are supplemental things, but I want to. You just got to be participating. You just got to be doing more than just that. And ooh, I will say, um, advertising. I'm sorry. <laughs> Broome County uh, recycles or the. Broome County Division of Solid Waste Management has been putting out commercials for um, purchasing earth machines. They offer earth machines for $45, which is basically at cost. It's a composting bin, a rigid, rigid plastic composting bin that holds like 30 gallons or, or 80 gallons worth of stuff. And since they've been putting out these um, commercials and stuff on, on TV, they've sold more this year than they have in the past three years combined. So really going off of the strategies that way, like traditional commercial marketing and stuff like that is also, you know, super helpful nothing to, to forget about because they've really increased their sales, which is just getting more composters in the hands of residents is, is what, what we really want to see. It's incredible, Josh, how much you have going on. Uh, it's amazing uh, how many different programs you have, initiatives to try to tackle the problem. Um, curious about your thoughts about, you know, how uh, state and local initiatives, you know, in general, 
uh, what kind of role they play for, you know, um, what kind of role they play in contributing solutions to the climate crisis. And people will be listening to this, but not everyone listening to it will be in and around Ithaca or Binghamton. And I'm wondering if you know of other universities that have similar extension programs um, around recycling, composting, waste management. Um, and if you have any thoughts about how what you're seeing in other parts of the country at the state and local level um, contribute to climate solutions. What I see more so, I know, well, each state has their own extension office. Um, New York just happens to be affiliated with Cornell University, which is the only Ivy League land grant university. Um, but other places, you know, like Penn, Penn State, there's their extension offices housed through there. Um, North Carolina State University, they have a really great compost educator. And that's where I've, I've been learning and doing a lot of research through there. Rhonda Sherman, does she does a lot of talks and specifically about vermicomposting, has a book and everything. And so there's a lot of other places that are doing like good uh, solid waste education. But I'm also drawing inspiration for, for programming in like New York City and other like cooperative composting programs. Um, how are they centering the community first? How are they providing, you know, even economic opportunity through grants and stuff to employ, you know, like youth of color, for example, like BK Rot. Um, coupling that with collections by bicycle. Um, so looking at all those, those different lenses of, of different programs that could be happening. And so then I have, have that as a knowledge. And then if anyone else is interested, you know, in starting something locally, then I'll be able to point them towards this, uh, these models. Um, if they'd be interested in for them, then they can be like, okay, and then we'll actually do that. That makes sense for us really. But um, as far as like other other programs specific, um, the way that it, the extension network is operated is that it's it's specific to the needs of that community. So even within CCE, there are few um, solid waste educators specifically. So like a lot of the like almost all of the other extension pages through New York State, they kind of copy what's happening in Tompkins County because they have had a, a composting educator there for 20 years or so like like a long time he's he's been working there and like really building up that program um so it's a very sharing network which is which is wonderful both within cce and extension all the other extension uh programs as a whole a whole lot of sharing that way yeah i really like the you know the idea of you know community driven solutions for climate change I really feel that you know communities need to set the tone and to decide what works best for them when they're trying to tackle these gigantic issues like food waste. Yeah, and it's it's all well and good to some degree. And I, I get it. I said that they're like filling in the gaps, but there's still like the larger entities that you know need assistance or a little little nudge in the right direction to do uh, waste reduction there. So there's other. How was it? New York State Pollution Prevention Institute, um, P2I for short, they have like, uh, they can do consulting for businesses to reduce their food waste or just waste in general in their businesses or really because it's a bottom line issue. Um, the less you waste, you know, the more money you're saving, you're not, you're, the money you're, you're putting in, you're, you're getting more of it out rather than just throwing it away. So there's a lot of cons consultants about um, going in those directions. And then for food waste specifically, the, 
a law has been passed in New York State called the Food Donation and Food Scraps Recycling Law uh, from the DEC, which requires uh, food waste generators that generate over two tons worth of food waste per week to donate their um, edible food, whatever's left over, you have to donate that somewhere. And then also to compost food scraps if there is a composting facility within 25 miles as the crow flies. So these will really push um, these larger entities, you know, like um, like a university to, to have to compost where a volunteer organization, you know, wouldn't be able to necessarily take all that food or all, all that compost, you know. Um, so it's like setting up this, the, the stages for uh, changes to have larger scale composting facilities, to have different donation networks to really uh, divert this food into food to, to be used and consumed by people that are in need or that need that food. Um, so that's a really good step forward for, from the state and we're very excited that is happening. Um, then again, looking into the future, how that can be expanded and then um, figure out how to impact other folks as well. And I guess to kind of bring it back to a local level too, I guess what could, what could be done on a, a larger scale, not just necessarily an organization entity, but maybe statewide is just reinforcement of the like the Bill Emerson Act, like the Good Samaritan Donation Act, where basically it, it covers liability from people, someone that's like donating food in good faith. So say you, you have food, like, you know, it's still good, you know, like, if, even if it's produce, you're like, yeah, it's not like what I'd pick up fresh from the, from the market, but it's still edible and it still can be used by someone. That or canned foods or anything like that, you can donate when you donate that to a nonprofit organization you'd be covered under the good samaritan act so if for some reason someone got sick you know they can't come back and sue you if as long as you can prove you're donating in good faith you didn't mean to like you know poison them basically um so it's it's, it, it's really good coverage for for people but we have found out that um maybe some smaller restaurants or um, places that do have food waste may, might be hesitant to donate food because they don't want to be liable. Um, that's understandable, but maybe they're just not as aware of this donation law or how they are covered if they do donate under it. So that could be a, a barrier for some, some entities for actually donating. And hopefully that'll be covered, you know, with this greater New York state law, which will the that will be coming to effect next year in 2022. Yeah, seems like a good incentive to get people involved with, you know, closing the circle. Um, but you, you know, are largely working on a state and local level. If you were to take what you've learned over the past four years working on the ground, what, if any, support would you like to see on a federal level? Ooh, on a federal level. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe always, always funding and figuring out how to how to be more collaborative on, on a regional basis. I mean, that regionally might not necessarily mean just within the state, but also like across state borders. I mean, that would be helpful to have those sorts of coalitions. Um, maybe figuring out some other legislation that'll that'll cover. I don't know, maybe like gleaning operations if we can get like volunteers to go to a farm, like a, a vegetable farm and to pick 
vegetables that are still good, but they weren't like good enough for the market or, or something like that. It's figuring out the red tape for like insurance reasons or figuring out some sort of program to be able to, to tackle those situations. Um, yeah, just figuring out some way to like either fund or start some coalitions to get everyone on, on multiple, multiple sides because need the organizations that are saving the food, but I mean, you also need to be in conver conversation with the farmers themselves and then um, just figuring out how to get a lot of stakeholders together. Um, so not very <laughs> descriptive, unfortunately, on the federal level, but I, I want something like, like that to be happening. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, Dan, do you have any other final thoughts? No, Josh, this was such a great conversation. I, I enjoyed listening to you and learning about all of your different programs. Um, any, so if we have a listener, maybe they're on the fence about home composting or participating in municipal program, what's your word of advice to get them sort of, so, you know, off the couch and into composting? Hmm. Yeah, see, um, if you do have a municipal composter, I would, I would say maybe even start there. Um, that could, that seems like the, the easiest thing to do. Uh, because all you really need is just a bucket and put your food scraps in there and set it out to the curb. And you can do that on the same schedule as you do with your trash. Um, so it's, it's easy, easy that way. And then maybe at some point you can um, go into like backyard composting or indoor composting if you want to have that sort of space. There's a lot of information like online. Like I've, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos of people making their own bins and stuff. So there's a lot of tutorials of like a walkthrough you can do like super simple um, composting uh, with that in your backyard or even just with worms indoors. Um, really, I guess the thing is just to just to get started. Um, the worst that's going to happen, it might smell for a little bit, <laughs> but otherwise you'll 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 make it through. You know, it's not going to burn your house down or anything like that. Um, so unless you do it too right. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, it's, it's just finding what will work best for you and then making that extra push you can even just start even if you don't want to start composting what you can do is just save up your food scraps in like a freezer so then you can see how much food you're wasting and then maybe you'll tackle the food waste first and like produce less and then figure out composting and how that would work best for your household um yeah finding inventive ways of how to cook might be your your avenue into reducing food waste saving you know onion peels and then the skins of like garlic and some odds and ends of celery put that into a separate bag and boom you have you know vegetable broth you know that you can you can make at home it'll probably taste even better than what you get at the store i'm um, so trying to be if, if composting is, is too um for some reason too much for you to tackle at this moment then maybe find a different avenue within the kitchen if you cook um, to use food in new and inventive ways for you. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Josh. It was such a pleasure to catch up with you and to learn about the programs and honestly just get a holistic view of what's happening on the ground with food based and composting. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate sharing all of this with you. Uh, well, Sid, thank you so much for bringing Josh onto the podcast today. That was an awesome conversation. Really enjoyed learning about all of the stuff that he's doing. Um, and, you know, I think you said this during the conversation, this is one of those things that people can do. It's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an on the ground solution. It's probably not realistic to think that an individual's composting habits is going to save the planet or solve climate change, but it's a great thing that we can do uh, individually. It's a great 
practice we can encourage individually and at the community level and at the state level, regional level, and come up with some ideas maybe to encourage this kind of stuff um, at the federal level. Um, and, uh, and it does all add up, um, but in order for it to really add up, we all have to be doing it. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. But before we go, um, we should plug a couple other of our materials that we've been doing. Like we said before, we've been covering waste management, waste issues, recycling issues a lot lately. Um, and just wanted to flag that, um, some examples of that. And of course, everything, as always, is available for free at www.eesi.org. If you visit us, first of all, you should sign up for our biweekly newsletter, Climate Change Solutions, the best way to keep track of everything that we're up to. But second thing, uh, check out some of our resources, uh, including a briefing that we did um, back in April called Rethinking, Reduce, Reuse, and Recycle Policies and Programs to Address Waste. Uh, we also did a podcast, another podcast episode, episode 11, um, called Can I Recycle That? A Look into the Plastic Economy. Um, we've published some articles on the topic as well, including a question and answer article called Addressing the Environmental Justice Implications of Waste. And we did another article titled Extended Producer Responsibility Policies Offer a Solution to the Waste Crisis. So we've been really thinking a lot about these issues lately. I hope if you take a moment to visit us online, you'll avail yourself of our resources and, uh, and hopefully learn a little bit more about this really, really important topic. Yep, and I just wanna take one more minute to say thank you again to Josh for joining us today. And as always, if you wanna learn more about any of ESI's work, please head to our website at esi.org. Also follow us on social media at ESI online for all of our recent updates. And if you like this podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and, and subscribe. The Climate Conversation is published as a supplement to our bi-weekly newsletter, Climate Change Solutions. Go to eesi.org slash sign up to subscribe. Thanks for joining us and see you next time. <laughs>